everyone. Welcome to another installment of New Slang. I'm your host, music journalist Thomas Mooney, and this is episode 91. We're closing out the month of May with country singer-songwriter Catherine Legender. As it happens, Catherine is releasing a new two-song single this Friday, May 29th. They're really what we'd consider the harbinger of what her next full-length record will be. She sent them over a couple weeks ago, and it's strange how things kind of work their way out. I say this because she wrote and recorded them some time back, but they really do capture that restlessness that's kind of creeped into all of our lives this spring. The two songs, One Long Sad Song and Waiting in Line, they were written about just kind of like that general restlessness and that needing of a sad song to just kind of capture what you're feeling when you're really just down and out. And of course, like right now in this quarantine, I feel like that's just something that really just applies to our daily lives. So there's definitely some projection on my part, but Catherine agrees. She, she says so uh, in the interview. It's always just one of those things where you always apply the present situation to whatever song you're listening to, to make sense of that song and to make sense of your current state. For those unfamiliar with Catherine, she's one of these songwriters who's really been informed by the neo-traditional country radio of her youth and really those old-school honky-tonk ethos. I highly encourage you to go check out her excellent 2019 EP, Making It Up. And then, of course, tomorrow, go listen to the two-song punch of one long sad song and waiting in line. As I mentioned just a second ago, this is the last episode of May, and it's really been a productive 30-ish days. During this time, there's been eight episodes of New Slang. Songwriters Rod Melanson, Jared Morris, Charlie Marie, Willie Braun of Reckless Kelly, Gabe Lee, journalist Christian Wallace, and then of course this episode you're listening to now with Catherine. As always, subscribe to New Slang if you haven't done so just yet. It's literally going to be on every platform you can think of for podcasts. Please leave a five-star review. Go follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore New Slang. Go give New Slang a like on Facebook. And of course, please suggest New Slang to anyone you can think of who just really enjoys Americana, country, folk, rock, and just conversations about music in general. Okay, that about wraps it up. Here is the interview with Catherine Legender. Like, I don't know if old habits die hard or whatever, but I want to like be like, test, check in the mic, one, two. Gosh, that feels nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so continue the story you were saying. Like, what was all that, that last um, show? So uh, I remember the last show I played, which, and it was March 6th, um, but uh, luckily it was an acoustic show. It was just me and Brian Broussard on guitar, and we played out at this is it called a cidery? I don't really drink ciders. So I don't know, <laughs> but it's like a, you know, a place where they serve cider and not wine. I learned, um, <laughs> but, uh, it was pretty chill considering, but I remember, um, I think that was maybe on a Friday night or something and coming up after the weekend on Monday was my residency at the white horse. And, the, you know, Austin was still, was not under any kind of quarantine. Um, I mean, I think it was recommended that people like stay home, but nothing had been set in place yet. And it was such a strange just decision to have to make, you know, or, or even debate, you know, in my head, like, do I play this? You know, do I need the money? Do I, 
you know, I obviously don't want to inconvenience this venue who also means a lot to me, you know, like personally, um, you know, and not only that, like, it's not just risking like my health, but like the health of like the people who play with me and things like that. And, you know, I talked it over with my bandmates first and foremost, but, but ultimately we decided not to play that gig. Um, and it was kind of interesting because usually they have like three bands on, uh, three to four bands on in any given night. And, uh, the other two bands that were scheduled to play that night, we all just kind of talked and just kind of came to this agreement. Like I just, you know, we just didn't think it was the safe thing to do. And luckily, uh, everyone that I talked to, um, you know, whether with the venue booking other artists, bandmates, whatnot was so incredibly understanding and, you know, made that, even though it was a weird decision, made it, you know, a little easier in the, in the end. Um, and yeah, it's just strange to think too, that like, that was, I guess if like, there's a, not that I feel like I went out, but I don't know. I feel like there's some other shows I would have liked to have gone out on, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it just, it was a weird thing just to have to make that decision. And now it's almost the pendulum's kind of starting to swing the other way. I actually just had a conversation with, uh, a club or I guess a bar, um, on the coast that I've really been wanting to play. Um, but even operating under, you know, 25 or 50% capacity, just like, it doesn't make it, it just doesn't seem worth it, you know, not only for, for me, but if, you know, for a fan, you know, or someone who wants to just hear live music, it's just, I hate to, uh, yeah, just give like the short end of the stick. And I feel like until, things just feel more safe and, you know, at least there's some kind of like vaccine maybe. I just don't know, you know, when that will be, but yeah, I've kind of been having these, these different conversations with venues. Like, is it cool if we reschedule this for a later day? Cause I'm still not comfortable coming back. Yeah. But so far everyone's been pretty understanding about it. And I'm so thankful. Yeah. It's again, like the, the 25 to 50% thing is, I don't know if that's if that's doable for these venues. I don't know if that uh, keeps the lights on. I don't know if like that makes it worth it to artists to go mm-hmm. places and play. That I don't know. It just is such a weird time, and it also just this whole time has felt like there's never. I don't know. Like it always feels like with anything, I've never been in charge of. You know what I mean? This is such a like you always just kind of go like, oh, someone else is going to ultimately make this decision for me. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. now, like, um, obviously there for like a long time, the decision was made for us there. But it, it, there's now this this wiggle room of um, people being asked, to, like you said, like being asked to play. If you're, uh, obviously th- th- those venues haven't been pressuring you, but like, you know that like there's, it's not necessarily even the venue. It's the, if you're like on a, in a book, on a booking agency or like your management or like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you, or just like the pressures of watching that bank account. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, and I, I realize at the end of the day, like a lot of people are just doing their jobs or trying to make money. And I get that, you know, but, um, 
And again, luckily my experience has been like very understanding on like both sides, but I've definitely heard stories of just, you know, I don't know if it's like desperate times, but just, you know, different friends and artists um, have definitely had more pressure in getting back to it. And, you know, I hate to say it, but it's almost like the the politics seep into it. And that's what I want to avoid at all costs. Just like, hey, let's just uh, talk to this or talk about this. You know, let's just be honest with each other. Like, that's all I ask, you know, and luckily that's worked out for me, like I said. But it's going to... I mean, I think that snowball effect is going to continue to happen, though. Yeah. One of my friends was saying how um, he kind of thinks that bars and venues that have outdoor space, if they transition to that being the, the place that where they're open, mm-hmm. that's obviously a lot more safe and maybe a lot more doable for people. Um, yeah. Just because of open air, you're like we just I had talked before we started recording, you know these bars are not the, <laughs> the safe, like they don't have like great ventilation systems and great air conditioning and the, the classic dive bar and honky tonk tropes are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> it's going to be so strange. Like not, uh, I love a dive bar. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to be able to go to one again. <laughs> yeah. Or like if you go with, you know, a mask on, like, I yeah. wonder, like, just, have you, uh, have you felt, like, the pressure of not wearing a mask out in public? Like, from just, like, the, the looks from other people? Um, maybe here and there, but most of the time I have a mask. <laughs> um, I, uh, anytime I've gone places, which is mostly the grocery store, I'll walk down, I think it's, like, a mile and a half round trip, I'll walk down a to our little corner coffee store and they, for a while before they opened up, they had just like this tent outside that we could just get like some basics, you know, I could go get eggs and a margarita and it was great. Um, but, um, you know, anytime I would go places like that, I would always have a mask. Um, if I was outside, I wouldn't really wear a mask that much just because I felt like, yeah, I didn't have to maybe worry about ventilation as much, but there's people giving glances here and there all the time. But at the same time, I feel like I can't say that I'm fully innocent of not doing that either because I've seen so many people without their masks on too. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> um, so at least when it, in, when it comes to me and my personal, what I'm going to, my personal choice about it, I'll definitely be wearing a mask for the the next while. <laughs> yeah, I so I was uh I've been out twice now, like out in public. And mm-hmm. that first time going out, I I swear like I probably had like a little bit of a little panic attack because I was just like I've not been in yet and I don't know like the new rules and like because I'd seen about you have to enter certain places this way and you have to go down the aisles this way. And then of course, like going in and it's just like a madhouse anyways. So you're just kind of like, okay. And then of course my glasses are like fogging up because of the mask. And then like, you're just kind of like, Oh God. Um, that's, that's horrible. But also at the same time, I think it's people who wear glasses have been like overblowing that because 
within like a minute, you figure out how to <laughs> do it right. Yeah. Um, but, but there is kind of, I mean, at least for me, like, I feel like there's a little bit of a learning curve. Um, I guess I didn't realize like when I'm doing things, how I guess maybe active I am when I'm doing it and heavy breathing and whatnot. And it took me a minute to just like figure out how to breathe properly in that and not feel like I was suffocating myself, you know, half the time, but yeah. it's, it's been an adjustment, but one that I'm again, like willing to make. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that first time I went out, I had like just a, the kind that you like wrap around your ears. And then the second time uh-huh. I had like a, a cloth one and the cloth mm-hmm. one just felt so much more breathable and doable. Interesting. And it was just like, um, I don't know. Like it, it just felt like a better experience, but it was also just, it's so weird wearing that mask around and I've kind of done the, I've got 10 minutes to do what I need to do in here. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, like you, it's always longer than that, but then it's still like, you know, get it out of here as quickly as possible. And then like, right as I, uh, exited the, the building, yeah, I, I took my mask off just to get that fresh uh-huh. air because obviously you're, but I don't know. It's also like one of those things where, uh, up here, I think people are a little bit more, this is, uh, you know, hashtag fake news kind of thing. Yeah. So they uh-huh. look at you like you're fucking crazy. And I'm like, this is to help protect you too, you moron. Like, uh, you that's know, what I, yeah, that's what I don't understand. Um, it's just, yeah, it, there's no compassion there for like your neighbor. <laughs> it seems sometimes. And yeah, it is. I do feel like I have a different experience than a lot of other parts of Texas because I do live in Austin. Uh, and there, I feel like maybe there's just more people who are like-minded in the way that I am thinking and approaching this. So I'm glad for that, but I mean, I can't really, uh, can't really talk to my parents about that, you know? (laughs) So it's kind of like, it's weird. It's so strange. Like, balancing fine I mean I don't think there is a balance really with that I just try to live my life (laughs) yeah like the one thing I've always kind of had uh criticism for when it comes to Lubbock has been how despite being just a like a mid-sized population-wise city or town whatever you want to call it uh it's always been just so spread out Mm. and it's like every place has had, has just a giant parking lot and you know, it's just concrete and um, just asphalt and shit like that. Right. Parking lots have been, or just like, they're just massive and Mm -hmm. everything just feels so spread out. Um, That has like, in my opinion, helped keep your distance from people just because of, of that aspect of just being where everything is so, big out here. Yeah, and, very true. Um obviously down there everything's just so, so much more compact and mm-hmm. um I think like just having this space, even just like when I'm talking like like neighborhood space, um I feel like that's probably helped people's sense of uh mental health and um just being able to I don't know, get out and even if they're not able to go to parks or anything like that, or the swimming pool or go get coffee and hang out with their friends, like having that outdoor space 
and uh, just to get out a little bit into your own little space. You know what I mean? Right. Has yeah. Probably been done wonders for people. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you were, you're going to be, you're um, doing some gardening and stuff like that. Is that also just to, is that more you think to fill time or to, what are you wanting to grow? Like what is like your in, your, your in game on the gardening? Um, yeah. Well, honestly, it, it kind of started as as I, I guess a way to fill time. Um, it's interesting because one my experience through a lot of this, and especially through quarantine, has been mostly positive. <laughs> which I feel like I have not um, shared that with um, at least a lot of people around me. Um, I'm thankful because. You know, I live with Brian Broussard, um, who's my husband, and he has also been just like had incredibly high spirits. But um, I feel like that's kind of hard to say to some of my friends and peers, um, because obviously there's a lot of struggle happening right now. Um, But I think honestly, it was just like my life prior to being quarantined was nonstop. And that's even saying, putting it gently, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard to describe just like how constant everything was and felt and overwhelming. And I've always had things I've wanted to try or experiment with or just hobbies or things to learn. I really enjoy doing things with my hands. Um, and so I just feel like given this opportunity to slow down, I have had no shortage of hobbies that I've either picked up or tried and whatnot and gardening just became one of those that I literally had like some old seed packets lying around figured why not let's try it um and I never ever thought I mean I still don't know if I do but uh I never thought that I was one to like have a green thumb I just like I could barely keep like succulents alive that I would get as gifts and whatnot but um it has just become one of my favorite outlets now. And I don't even know if it's an outlet. It's just um, something I look forward to now. Uh, It's become a brand new part of my daily routine. Um, And it's been one of those hobbies that has kind of like stuck. Like I picked up crocheting again and I was like, I'm just going to see how big I can crochet a blanket. And I'm already just kind of like, I'm like kind of over it. Uh, But um. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I just, gardening has been just such a a newfound joy in my life. And I feel like it's kind of like things like that that are helping me stay positive. And I definitely think the way my brain works, I like to see my effort or, you know, work, like go towards something. And so the fact that I can see oh, I planted it and I watered it every day and I gave it fertilizer and it's actually growing and I can see that, like, that's great for my brain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I think, like, the, for starters, like, having, what's helped people mostly during all this has been that uh, routine. And if you find something that you can do daily, you know, that's done so much for people because, like, and uh, the... The thing where like you have where, yeah, you see progress that mm-hmm. does so much because like, uh, 
somebody I was talking to earlier had said that uh, the reason I think that they thought people were having major problems with this is that they felt worthless because they weren't doing nothing. They were just idle. Mm -hmm. And that so Mm -hmm. much of your self-worth comes from uh, being able to do something and then have results. And sometimes if if you're just idle for so long, it feels like you've you've not done anything and you've not made anything and you're not provided any worth to the world. And so like even the smallest of bits help make you feel like you're doing something. It's, but uh, you know what this feels like to me this entire time has felt like um, when you first go to uh, school and you mm, come back home mm-hmm. from summer and like, it's just been like this lost summer of nothing, even though it's not been summer, you know what I mean? Like right. where you just kind mm-hmm. of like, you really don't have a job and you're just kind of hanging out. And, and honestly, like coming, I came to that realization pretty quick or early on, I feel like, and you know, I just, I have been wanting to embrace that as much as possible because like I said, like my lifestyle before this, and it was totally something that I caused and put on myself a lot, but, um, you know, I can't remember the last time I had, you know, the time to read and talk about progress. Like that's another way I can like I'm doing something for myself and I can actually see that like I'm making my way through this like book and whatnot. But, um, ah, I kind of lost my point. I derailed, <laughs> but, uh, I kind of went down a different tangent. Uh, yeah. What just, were you talking about again? <laughs> kind of like, like that lost summer of, uh, like, oh, your, yeah. like your freshman year um, coming back home and but, stuff. But yeah, totally trying to embrace this time because I just this just won't likely won't happen again, you know? And I've just having this time to slow down has just given me the opportunity to, I guess, learn even more about myself, but just really, I think that's kind of funny. I've mentioned this a few times. Um, and I feel like you'll appreciate this, um, being on Twitter and whatnot. But, uh, one of the last things that I posted before going into quarantine not knowing that quarantine was ahead was most days I'd rather just be holed up somewhere writing a song. And in this weird macabre way, the world kind of like dropped that in my lap, you know? And so it's just kind of like, I just don't want to take that for granted either. You know, I feel like I kind of, in a weird way, got what I was wishing for, you know? Um, so I'm really just trying, you know, thankfully I've been able to see a lot of this as an opportunity and really just have been trying to like hone that productivity, like you said, but just in ways that, um, now I can dictate, you know, it's great. You know, I guess the con of like some of this is that like I got furloughed, but the pro is that like now no one's assigning me things. I literally wake up and I'm just like, this is what I'm doing today. And it's just, it, this time has been really fulfilling for me and I'm so thankful that I haven't like hit a wall of either, you know, just succumbing to like negative feelings, which, you know, is definitely easy for me to do and has been easy for me to fall into like negative thought patterns in the past. But so much of this, yeah, just feels like an opportunity and I'm really just trying to ride that wave as long and as much as possible. Yeah. 
it it definitely gives you so much perspective on on what's going on like um outside of quarantine like what your life was before and what it can be after and you know there's I guess like one of the I, I don't know if this is right or wrong or anything like that but one of the things I was thinking about was you know is this is this going to be are, are we should we be going back to the way it was after this ends you know I what hope I mean <laughs> and like that I yeah exactly is it are we going back to should we go back to what it was like last year or should this be able to give some people perspective and go, Oh yeah, you know what? We do probably need to change our ways about things or, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. do we need to have more time off and, you know, like I'm not saying like 70 days every year, just like Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a row, but like, is there like, do people need to, um, just have more rest, like a, uh, just time to just decompress, I guess. Cause I feel like yeah. this has helped decompress, especially those first few weeks. It was, it helped people like, I don't know, go back to their, like go back to zero or whatever. And, um, so I don't know, maybe like every two years we, maybe not all at once, because that's yeah. really <laughs> fucked everything up. But maybe like every two years, people just like take a month off <laughs> straight. I mean, I know it's it's funny because I, I, before this, I'm like, will I ever get to the point, you know, where I can like take a sabbatical? Like, will that exist for me? And this is kind of what I'm doing right now, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Like you say that too. Like similarly, one of the things that has crossed my mind a lot is wondering if this is also a bit of a wake up call for people in terms of like taking care of the earth, like conservation and preservation are two things I'm very passionate about and interested in. And um, I don't know, maybe this is like the Edward Abbey coming out in me, but I'm just like, hopefully this makes people appreciate, you know, like what we have and, you know, in a very small way, you know, like people won't be littering, you know, nearly as much and think about things like that, you know, and, uh, you know, for me personally, I've even been able to have the opportunity to learn how to compost more, which, you know, it's not a lot, but I feel like these are things that I'm learning and getting back in touch with, um, that at least for this generation seemed a little bit lost and especially getting to see so many, people my age and even especially younger, you know, learning how to grow their own food, you know, now like those are like lasting lessons, (laughs) you know, and I really hope that those are positive ways that, um, people continue to, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if this sounds like hippie or whatever, (laughs) but it's like, I saw this stat the other day that like, uh, you know, the emissions, uh, like, went down like 17% of, or during like quarantine and whatnot. And I'm just like, hell yeah, that's great. I love this. You know, hopefully people are just thinking about the earth too. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I guess like one of the things we've always been told by the, the people who don't believe in uh, climate change has been, well, even if we, even if it's real, uh, we're too far down that road and humans aren't making it that big of a 
impact on it. Mm-hmm. And if anything has been uh, has shown in this 70 days is that, you know what? Like, yeah, we are making a massive impact. And if we stop doing like over half of what we've done for just 70 days, like there's been so much uh, where the earth has quote unquote healed itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just smog has dissipated and in and, and like these, obviously in these Chinese cities and like in, you know, in India and um, obviously like in the U.S. and stuff too. But places that, it, it's strange to also think that like we probably have really bad uh, loose regulations here in the U.S. And yeah. then say like, you know, our regulations are like so much stronger than they are in China or in like India or a lot of other Russia, uh, you know what I mean? Like our mm-hmm. regulations are so much better than a lot of theirs. And just having them stop for this moment has like just cleared the air. And like, you know, there was this, these people talking about how they could in India could like see the Himalayas for like the first time wow. from, their, from their like village or their city or whatever. In That's like incredible. 60 years or something, or from like, I guess maybe 60 years, something like that, like from wherever, and this is like a hundred miles away, you know what I mean? And oh my gosh, wow. So there's been like things like that have, that have, it to me that just shows like, hey, like we can, we're, we are having an impact and we don't have to go to, you know, all of us doing, we don't have to like cut out all of everything. But we can scale back and like just be more thoughtful about all this stuff. And absolutely, yeah. You know, you, you mentioned like growing your own food. That doesn't mean like we're all going to like move to a, you know to a commune and like right, <laughs> grow yeah. our own food. But you know what? You growing something like even just if you're not, you're still going to go to the grocery store. You're still going to like buy stuff. If you, but if you just cut out a little bit of something you're a, like you're going to like save money on mm-hmm. whatever. Right. Or it, you're, you're doing something at least. Right. Even if you like plant stuff and you're not even like growing anything that you're really going to eat, you're adding more plant life into the, into wherever you're living and it's giving off oxygen and yeah, all that exactly. Kind of stuff, so. And I don't know, those are the things I've luckily been focusing on. I feel like, you know, some of those, how do we spin this into a positive? (laughs) This episode is sponsored by Wicker's Mesquite Smoked Jalapeno Jelly. It's owned and operated by my buddy Wes Wicker, who makes the jelly in small batches for the best quality and freshness. He smokes the peppers with mesquite and uses pure cane sugar to make the jelly. What you get is this great blend of smoky, sweet, and spicy. It's addictively savory. For those uninitiated, Wickers is a great addition to any chef's kitchen. Part of what makes Wickers so great is just how versatile it really is. For starters, it makes a great meat glaze. Throw it on a batch of hot wings, use it on some pork ribs, some pork chops, really whatever you can think of. Eat it on biscuits, cornbread, bagels, or toast. Throw it on a ham or turkey sandwich. Another super simple but effective way is to get some cream cheese, throw some Wickers on top, and then grab your favorite cracker. Wickers is currently stocked at a handful of places in Lubbock and on the South Plains, as well as some Fort Worth and DFW locations. 
But the easiest way to get your hands on a jar is to head over to wickerstx.com. That's W-I-C-K-E-R-S-T-X.com. I'll throw a link into the show notes for good measure. They currently come in two varieties, original and now hot, if you need just a little bit more kick in your bite. You can order anything from one jar to a case of 12, whatever fits your needs. Again, that's wickerstx.com. Okay, back to the show. Absolutely. Uh, Obviously, you know, this whole... You know, you're talking about like wanting to, you know, have time to write songs and stuff like that. Um, if you could have, if you had the opportunity, all that uh, stuff before all this, how has that, how has this impacted the creative side? Have you been able to like sit down and like write, or is it something that, you know, now that the time is there, it's like, you know, writer's block or something? Um, I I guess I haven't necessarily had writer's block necessarily, but I didn't, I haven't created like as much of a routine with writing as I, I guess, initially hoped or thought I would. Um, But the the good thing about it is that um, it's giving me time each day. So it's like, maybe I'm not writing a consistent uh, 30 minutes to an hour a day. Like maybe I just wrote down two lines that day, but I did. And that's more than I did in the past. Um, and I, for me, especially like my, my approach to songwriting is I've, I've kind of, uh, gone back and forth in my brain with it. You know, if, if I'm going to call myself a songwriter, you know, I have to like, there's this quota at least, right. You know, or something. Um, and I've just kind of, especially use this time to level with myself and just kind of accept my process or maybe lack thereof sometimes. And it's funny because I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, ah, you know what? For me, songwriting is like fishing, you know, like I will show up and I'll go out there, but like, I'm probably not catching fish you know very often or at least not like one that I can like keep you know what I mean like um and so I'm glad that I've given myself that space and like that understanding um and I have been like pretty creative I've written two or I've at least finished two songs um that I feel good about uh and I have oh my gosh this is the most frustrating part is having like a handful of like 90 to 95 percent finished songs Um, but it's nice kind of like knowing that when either if inspiration hits or if I have like a lull in my day where I want to go sit down and try and work that out that I can. Um, and it's been really nice, but I also feel like I've been super creative in a lot of other ways as well. And I, I kind of think that's, what's helped me not either hit writer's block or even hit a wall in terms of like, I'm bored. You know, it's, I've, I've been able to be in a weird way, like creative in my garden and my backyard and whatnot. And, um, I've dove back into designing a lot more. Um, you know, when I was working full time, I definitely come from a background of marketing. So I'm always trying to find out you know, how to market myself next or this way or what would be best, Um, you know, creating things for like my website and even being able to extend some of those skills and help friends, which has been great, you know. Um, But yeah, I just, 
the creativity has been rolling. It hasn't been crazy, you know, but I'm, again, I think just having this time and like the space for it, I'm just, I'm so thankful. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so, it's interesting because I think for so long that I guess like when, when you read about songwriters writing songs, they always talk about, you know, I guess like it's, it's the romanticism of art, right? It's the romanticism Mm -hmm. of being a songwriter and like, this is what I do and I write songs and, you know, for me, like, I I don't know, I guess like a lot of times you, you talk with people and they play that up where it's like, for me, this is like the hardest thing in the world to do, but also for me, it's so easy, you know? And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, it's interesting hearing you say, like just being like a lot more practical and real about it and just being like, you know, like this is writing is, it's not what, like my songwriting process is, is, is this, and it's not what I was told to believe to believe yeah. it's going to be that's or what, yeah I like what you said what I romanticize you know I imagine some of the things you hear about all these great songwriters they wrote it every day I'm like that's just I don't know if that's in the cards for me I hope we'll see but yeah yeah it's it's just I don't know it, it's so weird like hearing uh, it's one of those things where I, I guess like over time you just realize when you scrape all the all of that away you realize that, yeah, there's a million ways to write a song and there's a million different processes and they're just as varied as, as there are songs out there. And that, totally. you know, you, yeah. it's not like, again, like we just kind of romanticize like the way certain people write. And, um, I've, I guess like over the years I've kind of done the thing where, um, I guess like the, the classic songwriters that we all think of the guys in the towns and, mm-hmm. you know, like those people were, were flawed in their ways and they maybe like that stand that maybe that's not the standard of like how you write a song or like how you live your life as a quote unquote artist. And just like pulling back that curtain and realizing like, you know, they had, there was days that they they weren't able to write songs too so I don't know it's yeah and it's it is kind of strange being able to put yourself in that perspective because you know like you know I I think it comes not only with romanticizing but respect you know like two people that I think of you know are like Brennan Lee and Noel McKay and like in my mind Brennan's never written a bad song you know like I don't I can't my brain cannot picture her just being like, ah, no, this isn't, you know, and, but I, yeah, I know that at the end of the day, like, and that's, that's, I guess at the end of the day too, one of the reasons why I respect them so much is because they are real in that sense. They do have days or actually, I think it was Noel McKay. I was watching one of his live streams the other day and I, he mentioned something, he was playing songs off of uh, sketches of South Central Texas, which I fucking love that album so much um but he mentioned that one of the songs on there I think he hadn't written this I can't remember the exact story and I'm gonna butcher it probably regardless but basically he had writer's block for like five years 
And it was like during this time when he was like doing construction, working on houses and stuff. Um, but I was just like, when I heard that, I was like, he's human. Like, oh my, and that is someone that I, you know, like look up to and admire. And so hearing that was not only like slightly encouraging, but like, that's just another one of those things that attract me to like their kind of songwriting. It's like, it's real. Yeah. Like if we, if we just look at the notebooks and see the the scratched out lines and go, oh man, I can't believe they thought that was going to work, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or just either that, or I, I, it's sometimes it's hard to imagine like, Oh, like the scratched out lines in their notebook are like the best lines in mine, you know, or just stuff like that. But, and again, like, I don't know if maybe this is like my brain trying to be like competitive with myself, but I know weird, not a weird way, but to me, that is, how I taught myself this is the kind of song that I want to write one day, you know, that I want to be able to craft. Um, it, it, I feel like, and especially, you know, taking my personal favorite songwriter, Guy Clark, uh, you know, just put on one of those records and, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't think you can teach songwriting, but just listening to that and having experiencing that connection has always just been like, this is what I'm aiming for. So even if, you know, my best lines are their worst lines, then it gives me something to strive for, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Like I, as a, as a journalist, what I've kind of come around to what my job is, is like to, um, give context for a songwriter. But at the same time, like what I, what I've, I guess what I've told, um, other journalists who have like emailed me or um, direct messaged me on Twitter, like, Hey, how do you do this? You know, Um, I've kind of always said, not always, but like in the last couple of years, I've said that like what I want to do when, when talking about an artist or talking with an artist is simultaneously make them human, make them just like, you know, Joe six pack on the, on the street or Jill mm-hmm. six pack. I don't know if it's Jill or not. Um, but then <laughs> like, or Jane, I guess maybe, yeah. uh, but do that. And then also like make them as mythical as possible. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, like the, the writing of Poncho and lefty is both like yeah. mythical, but also at the same time, Towns Van Zant was just another guy, mm-hmm. you know? And like that as it's, it's, because those are on opposite ends of the spectrum, but I think that's important to uh, put in context for your favorite artists. Is that like, because that's the thing too, is like um, when you meet famous people or your favorite artist, that also helps you not just go like fanboy, fangirl, <laughs> and like be super mm-hmm. nervous, you know, because if you do meet these people, you you don't want them to turn around and be like, Oh, that person was, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I'm actually glad you said that because again, like, you know, I'm also a consumer of music at the end of the day. And I always just feel like, and, and I, I especially think it's interesting considering, you know, being a journalist and whatnot. Um, and you probably encounter like a lot of these situations and, 
one thing that's always been like confusing for myself um, was feeling like when I wrote, I, I feel, okay, let me set it up a little bit. So if you're coming out with like a new album or something, I, and you're going to, you have the opportunity to have some press and work with a journalist or any kind of like media representative and, and they're willing to like talk about and share your music. I feel like the main question is always, all right, so why do people want to listen? And that is something that I feel like I have just struggled with, not only on my end, but in trying to relate to other artists, um, especially, I guess, current artists. Um, I was always concerned. I don't have an interesting backstory, so I don't have anything. Why would you listen to me then? You know, I don't know. Um, nothing super like controversial has really happened in my past, um, or nothing super sad, nothing super like out of the ordinary, you know, like good, bad in between. And and that was something I was always really worried about. Like, Oh, no one's really ever going to want to listen to this because it's just normal shit. Um, and I finally, again, I feel like these are like some of the epiphanies that I've been able to have during this time of slowing down is that like I never want to just I'm I it made me glad that I had the realization of like oh I'm just writing normal shit you know like because that's what I want to do at the end of the day you know I first and foremost I write my music for myself and I think it's funny knowing the backstories and the history and what led me to writing this song and that um if it's an autobiographical one obviously not all of them are um but I always end up like connecting to real stuff um the stuff that may seem mundane but that you experience as you know the average Joe or Jane and um I'm thankful that I was able to have that realization because now moving forward I know that that's that's what I want to invoke I just want to be real like for lack of a better word and because when I write a song that gets me through an emotion or a feeling and I feel better about it, I mean, that's all I need, to be honest. Like that adrenaline rush that I get of finishing a song that I'm proud of, whew, you know, there's not a lot that compares to that feeling in my personal opinion, um, especially when it comes to music. And so I really hope that if my music is able to be heard by other people, then my desire and my goal is that they're connecting with that real shit too i hope it's okay to cuss <laughs> yeah yeah it's you're, you're okay. really fun on here. yeah uh yeah it is it's i think if you maybe this is this goes into other other fields as well but if it if it does like i feel that the what this is i guess if we're going to call it a industry the entertainment industry it's so easy to fall into the man i hope they think i'm cool enough yeah. Yes, totally. The, yes. Uh, I guess like this is just like classic imposter syndrome, you know, like yeah. just the, mm-hmm. oh, they're going to like out me for not being cool or like being a fraud or a fake. And um, I don't know. I always like it, it's so I guess what I've learned over the years has been that um, just being normal or not normal, but just being yourself is what makes these um, 
makes you like accepted by other fans or by other artists and journalists and you know like not trying to overly impress your peers you know what i mean mm-hmm. impress them with the songs and not impress them by the 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 rock and roll persona that you've created in your mind you know what i mean and right yeah and i don't know if it was it's funny cuz i think about this a lot and i don't know if it's a naive way of thinking or not, but I still believe that, you know, if the song is there, the song's going to speak for itself. <laughs> or, I mean, I really hope that's still the case. Yeah. I, I think like at the end of the day, that's the, that's, you know, the buck stops at that point. Like, mm-hmm. like can, can this person write a, a great song? Because there's obviously a lot of people you meet who you go, Oh, that person was really cool. Or this band's really fun and cool. Um, I don't know if they're writing the best to their ability, but yeah. Uh, and that's what I don't want to say, like, because not every song, it's hard to make it where you're, we're not talking in absolutes because it's, it's, it's very impractical to think that like every song you write is going to be Poncho and Lefty. And that's like my go-to uh, answer. On this, you know what I mean? So, but not everyone, needs to write that and not everyone needs to play that because there's plenty of like space in between that mm-hmm. and honky tonk badonka donk or you know what I mean like <laughs> whatever yeah. there's a lot of like goodness between those two spaces and um so yeah I don't know like where I was going to go with that either but like I guess like to, to in all of this is what I would say is that um yeah like it, the biggest worry is like the, the imposter syndrome or the, at the, at the very least, like thinking like, Oh, I don't want to be an inconvenience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, it's just, it's so you can just like get lost in your own mind on this stuff. (laughs) Oh gosh. Tell me about it. I mean, so long and still like, not that I've been playing, you know, live shows for a while, but up until the moment I stopped, I, I still had the thought of just like one of my biggest fears is like, yeah, I feel good about this, but I especially feel good about this when I'm like at home in this room, like writing this and like, I'm having this feeling with myself. But one of my biggest fears is like getting up on a stage and just, I mean, to be frank, you know, I have been to a show or two in my lifetime where I'm just like, Hmm good for you. Maybe this is not the, you know, like I just never wanted to like be blind to something that I should not be doing or acting or something. You know what I mean? Um, and I, my biggest fear was just always like, I don't want to be that person on the stage and people are watching like, good for you. We're getting up there, but maybe this is not your calling. You know, that, that was just always, there's always going to be that, I think, maybe in the back of my mind, <laughs> which speaks, to, you know, to that kind of like you can get lost in your head about all that. And and again, like, you know, bringing things full circle, I have done so much less of that during this time. And I, I just another way that it's like really brought on, you know, some, you know, just more positivity into my life. Yeah, it's weird to balance that self-awareness and um and and I guess like the being your worst enemy, you're the worst critic, mm-hmm. you know. Because yeah, 
the I think like the worst thing in life would be like the lack of self awareness. And yeah, exactly. That's what <laughs> um, it is. Like not yeah. being self aware. And that's the thing though, is like I think about that, I'm like hopefully I'm self-aware on this, but like, I don't know, maybe I'm not being self-aware. Maybe like, (laughs) uh, but of course I think like you, you come across people who just lack that and you go, okay, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. I have at least some level of, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, It's just so again, like you can just get lost in your mind, but like at the same time, like I don't think you have, you can't go so far that you just don't do it. Because then you you live your entire life Mm -hmm. with what ifs and like, you know, just, you know, just, uh, never doing anything. So, yeah. And especially at this point in time, what ifs just don't seem worth it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, you're being creative in other outlets. I've, I guess I've talked with a few people during this time that they have gone off and done other things, other creative things like painting and um, writing in other capacities and stuff like that. Does that, do you feel like that a makes your songwriting better or do you feel like it's just all, do you consider like what you do as art as just one thing and it doesn't necessarily mean like you splitting it up into songs or not and novels and you know what I mean? Like do you, do you even like split up what art is for you? Hmm. No, I don't think so. I think maybe if I split anything up, it's more like I can do this and I know I can do this or, or at least I have an interest in this, um, or not. And so, for example, you know, I, I think people who have the ability to show their creativity in ways that's like, I can songwrite, I can paint, I can draw, you know, this stuff, that doesn't necessarily exist for me. I feel like mine's a little bit more sporadic for lack of a better word. I mean, I feel like the one thing that kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with the music is design and picking up that skill. Um, But a lot of the ways that I feel like I've sought out creativity during this time has as well um, has been more it's been like more from a therapeutic stance. So for example, crocheting, you know, there's definitely still a part of my brain that wants to see progress. But another reason why I'm doing that is because I don't really have to think, you know, and use a lot of brain power to do that. It's something I can do on autopilot and it lets my brain rest. And I think that is a way that helps my songwriting, um, you know, giving my, I guess my brain space to like let the wheels turn um, I have found, you know, that works for me. Um, reading too, not that that's really a creative expression on my part, but I feel like that definitely, um, that definitely like helps spur creativity, you know, within me. Um, I don't know. That seemed kind of like a really roundabout answer. <laughs> I hope that answered yeah. well, like the question. The, the crocheting thing interests me because the, um, it, it, that's just like um, shower thoughts, basically. Like yeah, I've, I've yes, not ever really yeah, thought totally. of, like, I don't know how to crochet, crochet or like sew or anything like that. So I don't, I never, I don't want to like make it seem simpler than it is, but like, it does seem like very repetitive and very 
like you said, autopilot. So like mm-hmm. that seems very uh, conducive for a space where you're able to just do that and just um, think things through. Because like I've always thought for me, I, I posted it on Twitter the other day. I, I asked other journalists, like when, when do you think of like your best questions for, for people mm. or like your best time about an artist? And of course, like the the number one is is like fifteen minutes after the phone call, or you know, like yes. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's definitely a thing. But like my space is always like, you know, when I'm like washing dishes, or I'm outside feeding the dogs and like watering, or mm-hmm. you know, like vacuuming, or like doing stuff that like you don't really have to think about. You've done it a million times, so it's that's when I think, and it's just like when that person. Uh, if I had to like just like sit down and listen to your a record and think about twenty questions off that record, I guess it's doable. But it's so much harder that way. I've realized like when I'm just put that music on and have it in the background, that's sometimes where I'll go. Oh, I don't remember. Like maybe that's what they mean by that line. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the space. Like I don't know. That's been so maybe. Maybe I need to like start crocheting before. <laughs> well, in this. general, you know, I just feel like in a, you know, I, I'm speaking personally, but, um, I just can't force that, you know, and, um, it's interesting to hear you say, because, um, you know, when do you write your best questions? And if you just listen to a record and whatnot, that's something I feel like I started to pick up on when I was in college, I worked at our uh, radio station and the first job that I had was a music reviewer. And I remember thinking, oh, this is great. This is like the perfect job for me. Like I, I'll talk to you all day about what I think about this. And I remember like getting my first stack of CDs. And of course these are like, you know, this is college radio. So I'm getting lots of indie stuff that I've never heard is new, very different from stuff I'm used to listening to personally. And I would listen and I would just be like, I don't, what? I don't know what to say. Like, I don't have any, th- like this song had a cool beat. I'm like, that's about it. And yeah, I just kind of have to, I feel like I say this word a lot and I don't even know if it's used in the right context, but I gotta let it marinate, you know, <laughs> gotta, you know, and like you said, showers, totally showers and long drives are just, that's the best way to just kind of like clear my head. Yeah. That's a great space too. Like the long drive putting that record on. Cause I feel like that's still the records are like mixed still like for the standard being a car stereo. And so, mm-hmm. um, listening, putting that, putting whatever record on in a car and like just driving just does wonders. Um, that is such a great just space to just think about that. And you notice like, a lot of songwriters will come up with some of their best stuff. Um, like the seeds, the, the, the origins of songs come from, well, I was driving and I thought of this and it was just like, I, you know, hummed it into my memos on my phone or. I know that's the dangerous part of writing songs in your car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The, just trying to, type out whatever yeah or hum or what you know what i mean it's uh 
What's it's always so interesting to go back. Like when you do that, to go back and listen to that, you're just like, what was I? It's like, <laughs> mine are always very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a, there's an episode of Seinfeld where he, um, Jerry wakes up in the middle of the night uh, from a dream and he's laughing and he's like, oh, this is great. And he like writes it down on a piece of paper next to his bed Wakes up in the morning because he's like this. This I had like this great dream or this great joke last night in a dream, you know, for a bit, yada yada yada. But then he can't read it after, and so like he's trying <laughs> oh, to get like man. other people to read to see what it says, and so like that's the entire bit. Is <laughs> like damn, to I need to see and, that episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't. know. I can't think of what the name is, but like that's that's very much like a trying to like. Who was I when I was doing this? You know, yeah. Because <laughs> like you're always like you're gonna remember this, and you're gonna remember like these little bits about this, and then you're like, what was this about? Yeah, that? and I rarely yeah. do. I'm like, damn it! I thought I was like for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Got to keep interesting. <laughs> yeah. This episode is brought to you by the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, Texas. Obviously, the coronavirus pandemic has had a massive impact on the music industry and on our daily lives at large. The Blue Light has been closed for nearly two months now, and if you're like me, you're probably jonesing for some live music, perhaps a Lone Star beer or a round of burn shots from your favorite bartender. If you're truly missing the place, there are two things you can do. For starters, Lubbock songwriter Charlie Stout and 49 other songwriters have come together for a 50-song compilation called Monday Night Lights. It's 50 demo-style recordings for $50, where all the proceeds will be going to furloughed bar staff at Blue Light Live. All you have to do is head over to mondaynightlights.com. You'll be getting songs from the likes of Josh Abbott and Wade Bowen and William Clark Green, to up-and-comers like Slade Coulter and Morgan Rutherford, to Blue Light singer songwriter competition winners like Juliet McConkey, Isaac Hoskins, and Kenneth O'Meara. You'll recognize a whole lot of people on this list. Uh, just too many to name right here. Trust me when I say you will want to get Monday Night Lights. It's just an incredible collection of incredible songwriters. There's also some pretty cool limited edition poster prints that Charlie has for sale on the site where those proceeds will obviously be going to bar staff as well. And we will probably end up having some other cool items listed on MondayNightLights.com as well pretty soon. Again, MondayNightLights.com. We've already raised a good chunk of money so far. We're super proud of how this all came together and proud of how many people have shared the compilation and everything. But as you know, more can always help. And of course, head over to BlueLightLubbock.com. Click on the merch tab. They have koozies and t-shirts and caps. I swear, if you put on a blue light cap and a t-shirt, it almost feels like you're there if you close your eyes. Especially if you've already thrown on the Monday Night Lights compilation. Okay, back to the episode. I guess like transitioning here, you know, you have these two singles coming out, May 29th. Um, are they... Are they like going to be standalone singles or are they a precursor for something larger in the works? For now, they're standalone. Um, I, they are a precursor. I'm not necessarily making that totally public just because, I mean, I don't really care if it's out there, but I just don't. It's very much in its beginning stages, so I don't have any kind of like timeline uh, for when that will all come together. 
but um, they will definitely be part of an eventual full length. Uh, but luckily I was able to go in and record these songs before things went into quarantine and with all of the time and, you know, as I worked, you know, got their progression uh, going during this quarantine from getting them mixed to mastered and the artwork done, it just seemed, why not release these? You know, I, I, I mean, I'll revisit this point, but I'm not a very patient person. <laughs> and so it just, I kind of just kept asking myself the question, why would I sit on this right now? And people probably want, you know, something new, especially when people are listening to music a lot, you know, let's give, let's just do it, put it out. Why not? Yeah. It's so I, yeah, it's definitely not your traditional marketing tactic, but I'm, I'm going with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I too, it, there's this weird balance between being patient and like being overly holding on to something because I always think that you don't want to sit on something so long that then you lose all interest in it and then it becomes totally. like old for you. And in the music business, you, you often so, so often find where, you know, you have, especially like these major labels of, uh, you know, you've made this record and it's like a year and a half old and it's just this like collection of songs that you've been recording over this time and um, they've all kind of lost interest for you, what you're doing now and then you put this record out and then you have to like tour those songs, you know, and um, I always think that putting them out in a like a more reasonable time makes you like way more interested in what you're doing and that people can, can see that too. You know what I mean? It's uh, it, but I don't know. It's just, it's good to like always just not sit on something so long that you become yeah. disinterested in it. I didn't want to. Yeah. And that was, you know, kind of the question is like, am I being overzealous? But to be quite honest, the more I listened to these songs as they neared completion, it just felt like at least one of them just felt like, if it were me, I would want to hear this song right now. <laughs> so, yeah, you know it's strange though too. I was listening to them and they they do very much like tie into like the times right now. You know, like, uh, yeah, did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah, it's so like that's it's such a like both of them have these like really, um, kind of like a nostalgic kind of longing for, um for like a little bit of normalcy and a little bit of like, let's get out of what we're doing. And I don't know, like there's it, they both feel like very much like songs about longing for at least a space out of this space. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. Well, what, uh, I guess like, what was it about these two songs that you felt like these are the two of the songs that I have not recorded that I want to put, pair these two together specifically and go that route? Um, well, as far as pairing them goes, I think that just kind of happened serendipitously. Um, you know, I had these two songs that were, I felt like they were pretty solid. Um, one of them I had been playing live to try and get that really finessed with the band and lyrics and everything. And so they were something that I'd, I'd had at least under my belt for a while. And I was comfortable enough with the songs. Um, 
saying, hey, let's just go in and like, let's just cut these. And the only reason why I cut them was because I was kind of trying at the time, it was, um, I'm trying to think early, maybe it was early February. Um, I was kind of trying to break this cycle within myself of, um, you know, I knew I wanted to work toward a full bank record, but, um, I was putting this pressure on myself that like, okay, well, you're not going to, you know, even contact a recording studio until you've got that finished and you've got those at least 10 songs locked in, you know, what you're going to do, what you're going to call it, whatever, whatever. And so I had these two songs that I felt good about and I just decided, well, you know what, let me just go ahead and I will never find the perfect time to record. Um, because this is also a time when I'm working a full-time job also trying to play music full-time, feeling like I'm living two lives. Um, and I just kind of knew, like, I'm never, there's never going to be a perfect time or perfect space carved out to do this. So why don't you just email the studio, see what their timeline is, and then go from there. So we jumped into the studio pretty quick, recorded these two songs, um, or at least got them finished uh, to the point where we didn't necessarily have to go back to the studio once everything was quarantined. Um, but once I heard them together, I was just, you know, I literally listened to them one after the other. And the more that I did that, even just listening for edits and whatnot, it just seemed to work sonically. Um, so yeah, the pairing of it, of them really just kind of came on accident. Um, but, uh, specifically one long sad song came first and that one came maybe a little, that came together a little faster than other songs I've written. Uh, but I just, I had a very clear direction of what I wanted to say. And um, I feel like this is a song that hopefully people will appreciate who are still going through any kind of like isolation, whether it be state or self-imposed. Um, but one of my favorite things about music, especially about country music, are sad songs. I've, I've said it so many times. Um, and that's usually because when I'm going through moments of stress, anxiety, just depression, you name it, um, sometimes the only thing I can find comfort in and understanding in is a song. And it's just like, I don't know why you wrote those words, but that's exactly how I feel. And it's like, that song can understand me better than my best friend, my partner, my therapist, my mom, you name it. And um, so I was really honing in on that. And, you know, listening to these sad songs, I'll just put them on repeat and I just, it'll just make me feel better. If anything, just solidarity in some form. Um, but I found myself even as much as I enjoy sad songs, listening to a lot of these over and over, uh, even if I wasn't, you know, in any kind of duress, you know, just be like, oh, I'm on my way to work, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this sad song because it's good. I almost felt like I was manifesting a mood <laughs> at certain points um, or it did kind of become to feel like that. And I didn't necessarily want to get stuck there, um, but it just kind of, it was an interesting element. I felt like for the song, and um, it just, one long sad song came to be. And uh, it's something that I personally, if I was going to 
try to market this to someone, I would just say, like, this is a song. You need to pour something strong. Maybe draw a bath if that helps. You know, let yourself cry if you want to, but definitely put this one on repeat because this is just an opportunity. Not only was it for me, but hopefully whoever listens to it to really lean into that emotion. And sometimes it doesn't always feel good, but at least in writing it, this was getting it out in a one long sad song way. What it felt, it felt great, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. And then waiting in line, it's interesting, you know, a lot of my most personal songs, I feel like after some time has passed, I can see, oh, this situation in my life led to that song, you know, or whatnot. And um, I think in general, you know, I said this earlier, I am impatient. Patience has never been my virtue, you know, um, it's definitely a bit of a struggle. Um, but I find myself, you know, through different points in life, young, old, you know, just whether it has to do with work or school or parents or whatnot. There, I, I found myself in so many situations where I just had to, like, wait, you know. And there's especially this, um, I don't know why, but if you ask me to just, like, wait in a line, especially if it's long, like, the logical side of my brain just wants to start asking questions, you know, whatnot. And I just, I don't jive with it. And I just think that finally, you know, enough frustrating situation where I felt like I was being herded or having to like wait on something or feel like I wasn't seeing, you know, my effort or time or progress pay off in, in a way or in a timeline that I thought, was acceptable then I you know I think that just happened to me enough that I was inspired to write waiting in line and um this is super nerdy but um one of my personal goals with that song was I wanted each line to end with the same like near rhyme so every I don't know if anyone would even notice that by listening to it but each line rhymes with line basically and uh, I don't know why I wanted to do that it was just kind of like a personal challenge um but I also realized that when I write songs I tend to approach them maybe from like a poetry standpoint um and or maybe it's just OCD I don't know <laughs> but um a lot of times when I'm writing songs I want them to almost if the goal is to get them to sound as good as they can, then I want it almost to look like that on paper too. Even though like not many people are probably reading lyrics, printed lyrics at that. Um, but that was, that was just to kind of please myself. So that's a little Easter egg for anyone, I guess who might notice. Um, yeah. And then I don't believe it or not. Actually, it's probably very believable. Um, but the songs were sonically uh, inspired by Martina McBride. I think I was just listening to a lot of her music during that time, and it found its way into those songs. But um, they're definitely two songs that I have been more excited about, you know, than I have in a really long time. And as a someone who calls themselves a songwriter, I think that's not always the easiest thing to say about your work. 
So that's, that was kind of another driving force behind wanting to release them now. I'm just like, Hey, I'm excited about them. And I want to, I want to follow that at least. So yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> okay. The Martina McBride thing. I definitely noticed that. Uh, yes. Okay, and, cool. And I was like, <laughs> man, this sounds like uh, I can't think of what, what the first one, um, another long or I'm missing it now. Uh, a, a one long, uh, sad song. Mm-hmm. There was definitely a Martina McBride. I never looked it up, so like I was like, "But this sounds like," and I don't even know what song it is necessarily. But um, I can give you a hint. No, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like I definitely was like, "Oh, this definitely is a." This definitely feels like that. Um, I don't. It's it's interesting. You there are a lot of stuff to break down. I guess in that. Yeah, I know. Um, I was very long winded. <laughs> well, like it's interesting because the. Uh, let's talk about the Easter egg aspect first. I feel like a lot of songwriters do that kind of thing where, you know, like 90% of the song is for public consumption and like 5% of it's for me. Like as far as like the, the technical, I did this because I thought this was funny or, you know what I mean? Yes, totally. And and I think a lot, there's a lot of songwriters who do that where, you know, like that is this little bit. I, did because I thought it it's an inside joke with myself. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is interesting you talk about the waiting in line thing because like you did mention in there earlier on was, you know, you, you didn't want to, you originally wanted to do, I'm booking the time when I got the 10 songs and going that entire route. And then, you know, you didn't go that route. You didn't wait in line, you know. Uh, you didn't wait for that specific time to cut a record all the way through and do it the the normal way, waiting for that time. I feel like what that reminded me of is, are you a fan of The Wire? I I have never watched it. <laughs> I'm very familiar. I've heard it's a great series, but I've never watched it. Well, this is over right now. I'm sorry. Oh. No. Um, <laughs> no, but like there's this... Uh, what it did, it reminded me of this line in there. And that is, um, so like to give a little context, it's a conversation between these two detectives. And one of them is just like really always just, um, he's a lot more laid back and he's a lot more thoughtful. He's like the, the Morgan Freeman of the show. And then (laughs) Jimmy is like the, the asshole of the show. And he's kind of like, just always like, wants the results now and he's a bleeding heart as far as like what police work should be. And like, he lives in a world of absolutes. Right. And so mm-hmm. like Lester says to Jimmy, a life, Jimmy, you know what that is? It's the shit that happens when you've, when you're waiting for the things that never come. And oh, like, wow. That's like the whole thing about like, cause I, Jimmy is like questioning, like why, like what have, what what have we been doing uh with this wire the the wiretap and all that stuff what are, like what, this is what we get out of this you know i thought this was going to be so much better and yada yada all that kind of stuff and i think that ties into like if you wait for these moments to happen without like pushing for them like they're they're just never going to come you know if you're waiting for yeah. the the quote unquote perfect time in the future that's just not it's not going to, most of the time it's not going to work out. You're going to realize, fuck, I got to do it right now. Right yeah. now is the perfect time for and this. And I mean, that was kind of like a, 
you know, uh, again, like the beginning of my kind of like personal epiphanies, I was just like, I have stood in my way so long. I mean, so long. And I still probably do a little bit, but, you know, I think probably my biggest conflict came from, you know, I, up until very recently have been working a full-time job and also just like, and the second I get home, I, you know, change clothes, pick up my gear and I'm out that night, you know, like fully burning the candle at both ends. And not that I'm unique in that sense. A lot of musicians do that. Um, but, um, I, I think I found, I latched on to a little bit of security there and especially like the, the full-time job thing. And I spent so many time or so much time, um, really just frustrated with myself, um, because I knew I had this good thing going and it was a sure thing, you know, like I'm making money or I was making money that I could rely on and then money that helped me go into the studio and pay my band and things like that. Um, but it was such a, a catch 22 because I was limiting myself so much. I mean, I, my tours were non-existent and if they were very short, you know, um, because I just couldn't, there's just no way I could take off that much time, you know, from a full-time job to be able to pursue something that ultimately has been more fulfilling and, uh, to me, you know, in the long run. Um, and so I, that was just kind of like the first step for me to just be like, all right, get out of your way then, you know, like, and I knew, and I know that in my future too, like if this is something that I really want to see succeed in whatever way, you know, that looks like I'm going to have to take a leap of faith or two. And so I feel like this was like, step one and like showing myself that like, all right, like maybe you don't have to take that leap of faith right now, but you at least got to take a baby step, you know, and like start the, the progress. And again, like this weird time followed that and, and opened the, the door, not only for just like new ways of thinking, you know, and approaching my music and my craft, but, um, you know, especially with the release of these songs, you know, I, the the reception of them will be subjective, you know, and, that, and something that I can't control no matter what, um, no matter how good I think the songs are or otherwise. Um, but the, the possibility of knowing what's on the other side of that excites me more these days, these days than ever before. So again, just trying to like follow that, that gut feeling. I don't know if it's an instinct, but at least follow that gut feeling for now because um for the first time in probably a long time if not you know the only time in my life time is on my side you know so oh, yeah yeah it's weird <laughs> in a good way yeah but it's it's the again it, it goes to the whole you know um being excited but also like you know not like scared you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a little scared. Yeah, but like you <laughs> I I feel it's, it it can't be like the the same scared as before. Anxious. No, I think you you're know? right. Yeah. yeah. Not as not like before. Yeah. So, it's uh I don't know. It's it, I guess it's always it has to be like a constant reminder to yourself. Because like that's how I feel the same way in a lot of ways of like 
getting in my own way as mm-hmm. you as you kind of put it like yeah you got to have to yeah take that leap of faith you got to just do it and not nitpick over the the small things cuz i will like nitpick over everything that i do but then like oh, give yeah. give so much leeway to other people because like you go well like you have to think about like the way they were they you know what i mean like it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's so, funny. Um, I mean, I'm so thankful that I have, you know, someone like Brian in my, in my life and is like, I mean, he's my family that I get to bounce a lot of these ideas off of too, because, um, you know, like I would wonder who do you get the opportunity to talk to this about like many other people, you know, or what they understand, like, like what is like normal to you. And like, especially in that, in your process and whatnot. So yeah, it has been nice to like bounce some of these feelings and all that off of Brian. And he's pretty much, we're pretty much on the same wavelength. Yeah. Because like so many, so many other people just don't understand the, the exact thing because it's like, um, it's, it's bad, but like a lot of people are just going to always just think of music unless you're Alan Jackson or George Strait or Reba McIntyre as this is just a hobby, you know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. um, and obviously it's not like, there's a, so much in between just doing it as a hobby and being a mega superstar, you know? So, um, once you, when you find your tribe, if you will, like those people understand the, what, what all goes into it and it not being, you know, like, I feel like there's, there's, there's just so many people in, especially like in your family and stuff who are always just kind of like, um, oh, so that's what you're, this is, this isn't just the phase, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, like that's, yeah. Uh, it's so Well, and almost oppositely too, I would find with my family, it's like they would oh, really? glamorize things. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what you think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like <laughs> I just, no, I, get, I can't, I, yeah. No, <laughs> just I, like thinking about too, different though. things. Like, that's, laughing. <laughs> no, that is interesting too, I guess. Yeah. The, I've had, now that you mentioned that part, I've also <laughs> had to like temper down, uh, I guess expectations because it's like, then you get that, I, and at least in my experience, it's like, um, what do you think you could get as tickets for insert band name? And then it's like, well, no, probably not. (laughs) But then like, also like, uh, if it's people that I do know it, then it's like, well, yes, but, um, I can't get 10 tickets or, you know what I mean? Like, what are you, you're asking for like, wait, like Maybe if it was just like one of you, yeah, we could, I could get a plus one or, you know what I mean? But it's like, you, yeah, like suddenly they're your perceived level of access. It was like, <laughs> they're like, oh, you can go anywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like you're, <laughs> that's, that goes into the whole thing about meeting people and being like, you know, I always try and like not be an inconvenience and you're definitely going to be wanting like a hundred photos, you know what I mean? Like, I can't, yeah, uh-huh. I can't take you anywhere, you know, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so, it's just strange. 
the <laughs> have you had I guess have you had experiences like that of the not necessarily asking for tickets but like asking for access to for stuff that you really don't have the authority oh, yeah. for yeah <laughs> well most of it, it it hasn't really happened in my musical life I mean like the most it's really been is like can you get me on the list in my musical life which in most cases I'm like yes thank you for showing up yes I will put you and 10 people on list <laughs> but yeah. but um, in my uh my full-time job previously um I worked in marketing but it was for music festivals and it's it's funny because it's like yeah yeah I'm, I'm working and a lot of times that would mean I would have to physically work them during the weekends that they would happen and oh my gosh you find so many new friends during festival season <laughs> and like people would just come out of the woodwork and like can you get me into this this show this and like <laughs> what was really confusing is um in austin uh austin city limits is like a brand that is bought and like five different there are like five different major things in Austin with Austin city limits. There's a festival, there's a venue, there's a radio station, like there's a TV show. And what's kind of funny about that is that no one knows the difference. And so, I mean, the people who work in for each of those respective venues and whatnot know the difference, but like the average person coming to Austin doesn't know like, Oh, they bought that those name rights and like ACL festival isn't the same thing as ACL live and you know, whatnot. Um, and so half the time I would be getting questions for like things that I'm like, that's not, we don't do that. Like that's not our venue or whatever, you know? And yeah, there was a, a lot of like that, you know, and I, and I'm not good at that either because I am especially someone who's like, I don't want to inconvenience and I certainly don't want to, you know, like overstep my boundaries and, you know, ask or go too far, ask something I shouldn't, you know, but yeah, I don't miss that. <laughs> yeah. The, um, I guess like the, the, the difference between all those and like the public not really knowing is on purpose though. You know what I mean? So yeah, I guess like, so. Yeah. for people to just think of it as just one giant entity, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I guess, Every once in a while, I've been asked about tickets and stuff like that for artists and shows that I'm like, ah, my name's not on the bill, so I, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. get you in anyways. <laughs> so I'm I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. But <laughs> why didn't you think I was going to high school? You know? <laughs> right, yeah. All right, thanks for listening. Be sure to check out Catherine's two-song single coming out tomorrow. Please check out episode sponsors Wicker's Jalapeno Jelly and The Blue Light Live. I will see y'all next Monday.